Hey guys, Ryan DeMint from Chasing Happiness Podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. This week, we have a very special guest. She was very nice to come on the show last minute because we had another cancellation. But guess what? We're fighters and we get through it. Leanne Stickle. Now check out this, this naming or who she is because this will tell you a lot about her. Chief Optimist, Coaching Chronic Illness Warriors. Let that sink in just a little bit. I like that. It has a great calling, but it also tells you something about her. Leanne, welcome into the show. Wow. Thank you, Ryan. That was a very generous introduction. <laughs> You're more than welcome. Thank you for being on the show last minute. Uh, you saved my, uh, as they say, took us. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it, it's, it's an honor. And we had a great pre-call and I immediately connected with you and you have a story uh, that I, I really feel can benefit a lot of other individuals that potentially could be in the same situation or they're going through something else. So let's get into it. Tell the listeners a little about who you are and then we'll get into your journey. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So mom of four teenagers and a wife to Don of 23 years, I have been fortunate enough to be able to stay at home with my kiddos for the last 19 years. And so really that feels like that's who I am, right? I've been living my dream for sure. And it's amazing, right? And yet, and as we'll talk about my journey, it was going through a, a diagnosis, having a curveball happen in your life that kind of opened your eyes to maybe what strengths that you have that you could use to help others, or how do you deal with the curveballs in life? And it's been going through that experience that I really leaned into where I'm showing up now. I'm coaching, speaking, right here with you. Yeah. Coaching, speaking, everything else. So before we get into that, I, I, I don't, you know, you tell me how much you want to share about what you have going on, but just understand, let people understand where you're at or where you, where you came from, where you're at. And then we'll talk about your future journey of what you're doing that speaking and coaching. Yeah, for sure. So we've got to go back to 2009. And those four teenagers were six and under. And it was busy, right? I used to say, I take calls in the order they're received. Like there's only <laughs> so many things I can do at one time. And it was a beautiful chaos. And so you can understand why I missed some of the early signs of something going wrong with me, right? Like you're so distracted in that season. You're busy filling up sippy cups, buckling people into car seats. It just was nonstop. And fatigue as a symptom, like every mother claims they're exhausted, right? Like you've never met a mom that isn't wearing the badge of honor of exhaustion and how tired she is. And so I really dismissed. And, you know, I I love that you shared my, my self-given title as chief optimist. But when you are an optimist, sometimes your rose-colored glasses are so darkly tinted, you don't see some of the things happening with you or around you or to you, right? And so it sounds kind of lovely, but you can miss things. And so in 2009, I the numbness and tingling was not going away. It was on my left side and I had fallen twice. And what's interesting is that I still wanted to explain it away. Our mind is so good at like, oh no, I'm okay, right? Like I fell because I had a toddler in sleeping by me. I probably have a pinched nerve. That explains like the my legs being completely asleep. Mm -hmm. Totally. So you can understand it's almost like a survival mechanism, I think, within us that we want to explain what's going on. And of course, it's not something horrible, right? Like I ate my fruits and veggies. I drank my water. My babies <laughs> were born on their due dates, right? Like you get where I'm coming from. It wasn't... I didn't have a lifestyle that led me to think that, Leanne, you're going down a path of health hiccups or mm -hmm. problems with that, right? So my family doctor, who I love, said, Leanne, we need to send you to a specialist. And every step of the way, I still was skeptical. I was still optimistic that everything was fine. They were going to find something structural. We all want something structurally to be wrong. That feels solvable, right? Like we could go to an orthopedic doctor, put me in a full body cast, boom, I'm at heel, I'm done. And so we like that idea. Unfortunately, October 23rd, the neurologist said, Leanne, we are 99% sure that you have multiple sclerosis. 
Wow. And yeah, Ryan, in that moment here, I'm 29. And I really didn't know that much about MS. But what I did know was a picture of a person in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And we now know, and I know, that there are as many stories as there are patients. So the way a chronic illness impacts a person is so unique. It's so individual. But in that moment, my world crashed down around me. Like chronic, and I think I mentioned this yesterday, and I think it's such a good point. Chronic means there's no cure. Like yes. it's yours. Like this is who you are. You're going to have to deal with this and the burden of that and the symptoms and the costs and the blah, 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 the appointments and the tests. And right, like none of those things were on your bucket list. None of that was like, hopefully someday I can go to the doctor every four weeks. <laughs> right. Uh, Excuse me. So, I, yeah, that's that's not one of those big ones that that are high on the list. I mean, that's tragic, and I'm and I'm sorry, and and I know that had to be tough. But how how did you work through that? I mean, you you have an active family, you know, you're married, you've got a lot going on. So, I mean, how did how did you work through all this? Right, and and, and that that is the question, right? And that's the point where I'm at, where I'm wanting to help people. Um, with the working through part, because I went into a period of mourning. I was mourning the future that I had pictured. I was mourning what I was going to spend my money on instead of that. I was mm -hmm. mourning all of these things. And there comes a point where you realize that a pity party is not that fun to host, not that fun to attend. And no. <laughs> I needed to lean back into this optimism that I really knew was within me, this positivity that I knew was genetic that I got from my late grandmother. And I knew that that would be my strength. We know that if we believe a drug is going to work, it is more likely to work. There is research to prove that, which sounds crazy. It's like, what? That doesn't sound like science. That sounds like woo. It's science, my friends. So positivity, it became clear that was that's what would get me through and making the choice to move forward in the spaces that I could control with this new diagnosis. It felt like so many things were out of my control. And yet one day I realized that one of those things on my bucket list that I might not be able to check off was a triathlon somewhere in the back of my mind. I thought that when you got to your forties, which I am now in my forties and I do not have a <laughs> But I thought that when you got to your 40s and your kids were older, like you'd have plenty of time to go to the gym and you could get really fit and do a hard fitness event, which I think that is true for some. I feel just as crazy as I did in my 20s with little kids as I do with big kids. But at that point in my life, I signed up for a triathlon and it was such a stretch for me. I'm an academic, not an athlete. I mm -hmm. am not good at sports. I am not coordinated. But here I have a chronic condition that could take away mobility. So now it felt like this is such a crystal clear why I needed to exercise. Why, right? Like we, we, talk, we hear about the conversation around your why and how motivating it is. Oh, yes. It 100% is. And that why, the fact that I needed to move because I could, was powerful. It, it allowed motivation to show up in my lap and I started exercising and I printed out a training plan and I swam one day and I walked the next and I would bike another day and I just followed that and it was a choice I could make and that really brought me out of that season of mourning because I was moving forward I was making a choice and I had started to make peace with the part of my life that I couldn't control and you know today when I'm working with clients that's where I want them to get that they can put their diagnosis on a shelf. It's still accessible. We can pull it down. We can learn more. We can research. We can learn about the new drugs, but we can also put it on a shelf because at some point learning more doesn't help us, right? We have to make decisions about how we're going to deal with it mm -hmm. and move forward and kind of, right, set it aside. So are you going to leave the teaser there? Or are you going to tell us what happened with a triathlon? 
Oh, I totally survived. It's so funny because, um, and I've done four, which is nothing. I whoa, mean, whoa, 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 back up, back up, back up. Four, <laughs> four. Yeah. You're giving me more credit than I deserve. No, um, no, 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 no. So let me, let me, I, I'll digress and we'll go back in. A very good friend of mine, he was also my boss for many years in corporate America, cancer survivor three times. He's a huge triathlete and he's such an inspiration. And I need to get you two together to talk because he, all he talks is triathlons and, and he's in his late sixties and he, oh my God, you think he's 20. Um, I love that. But you guys are both inspiration for, I think he's, he's in the 12 to 15 range. Cause he started late in life too. Um, but he, he's crazy. I mean, that's awesome. You, that is so cool that you've done four. are you going to do more? Yeah, for sure. So let me give you a little triathlon synopsis. When when you go to a triathlon, there's all these amazing people, right? Because they've all been exercising to do this big, hard thing. And it's more than just swimming, biking, and running. It's the transition area. It's the gear. It's understanding how to transition. It's, I mean, it's so many pieces. And it's so funny because when you go there, people are like, are you a runner or are you a cyclist? Because typically <laughs> people get into triathletes or triathlons because they are something, right? They they love cycling, but they want to add running. They're a runner. They want to add cycling or swimming or whatever. I'm like, I am nothing. Like I am a survivor. I'm just stubborn and determined. And I survive triathlons. I, I don't excel at any one part except continuing. <laughs> like I just keep plotting but that's along. The, but that's the big win. That's the it win the you're pushing, win, right? you're, you're pushing forward. Do you set yourself any goals every time that you go after another triathlon? Is there something there that motivates you? For sure. You know, there's always, it's always nice to like turn the knobs and kind of have stretch goals as far as speed or how you feel at some point, or even in improving your transition times, like and not standing in the transition area, visiting like my extrovert self would like to do or chit chat with the spectators focusing. So there, there's a lot of things with a triathlon that you can tweak. I love triathlon so much that I actually eight and a half years ago started a nonprofit that raises money for people living with MS. And it's actually a kid's triathlon. And oh, so cool. <laughs> yeah. And it really is my fifth child. But over the <laughs> last eight years, we have raised over $100,000, which I'm sure in the charity space is not crazy huge, but That's it's still more good. Than, That's good. It's more than I'm able to donate. And so I keep doing the event. And we we always say our primary goal is to raise money to help patients living with MS. But our mm -hmm. secondary goal is to inspire kids to love fitness. Because what happened in those early years of dealing with MS was I fell in love with movement and fitness. And it helped me get through hard days, dark days, frustrating days. And so I feel like if we can help our kids be bought in, get addicted to race energy, that's so powerful because they're going to face hard things. They're going to have curveballs just like me. And if they don't have to view fitness as a prescription, it will help them. Oftentimes people view it as a prescription, right? Like the doctor said, you need to work out. So how, how does MS affect you in triathlons? I mean, what are there special, when I say the special things, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm very unknowledgeable. So excuse me, ignorant, as I would say, um, do you have to do anything special? I mean, I mean, does fatigue come into place? I mean, what, how do you, how does this all play out? So my worst symptoms, which, so is central nervous system is being damaged by your immune system. So central nervous is brain, neck, spinal cord, right? So it's your operating system and the nerves are like your electrical cord and it has a rubber coating and a mouse chewed it off. So the mouse is your immune system. And so now it doesn't have that rubber coating. And so if you can picture a light, a lamp, right? The, it, mm -hmm. it blinks because the connection isn't great. So when our brain is sending or our central nervous system is sending signals out, Sometimes my limbs feel heavy. Maybe they don't cooperate. We'll see a huge range of symptoms that MS patients are dealing with from immobility to next to nothing. Okay. There's that huge range. And so for me personally, 
fatigue has been something I have managed for the last 13 years. I often use the hashtag rest is best. Napping here is a normal thing. And my kids are used to that. And I choose to rest midday so that I can enjoy the evening. I have had that luxury. And I know that fatigue is such a huge, loud symptom. And, you know, fatigue and stress are about the two things that we can manage or try to reduce, right? Or, or try to improve. And, and when my stress and fatigue are worse, then my other symptoms are louder. Meaning mm. if I'm super stressed out, if I'm super worn out, if I didn't respect rest, then all of a sudden the numbness and tingling on my left side, super annoying. I explain it like when you go have a cavity filled and you know, like two hours after the dentist and your face feels like that, yeah. that's how my left hand feels almost all the time. When my stress goes up, now it feels like I just had the cavity filled. Like it's so, wow. you know, where it feels less responsive. So there's this range of symptoms. And in those early years, that scared me when they would get worse. It's like, oh, is it going to stay that way? You know, and then, but it's, you know, there's, there's several types of MS and mine is called relapsing remitting, which means you get worse and then you get mostly better and then you get worse, and then you get mostly better. And so the mostly better part is the scary part, right? Like you want to get like better, better. <laughs> but <laughs> if you don't, you know, regain everything after a relapse, uh, that's that's where you see the decline uh -huh. over years of time, right? That's that's where we see. So is there issues. a trigger? Is there a trigger point that causes the, the relapse? So not really that I'm aware of <clears throat> what made a drug fail, right? So here I'm taking a drug for seven and a half years. I, it was a daily injection and mm -hmm. the drug concept was um, building a wall to protect my central okay. nervous system. Infused is coming in to eat the nerves. Okay. And the drug is saying, no, thank you. <laughs> You're not welcome <laughs> here. The immune system turns around. Okay. So I'm, I'm like simplifying this big time. Um, seven and a half, or I'm sorry, seven and a half years on that drug worked for me. Then in 2018, 2017, I developed double vision. Oh. Double vision will scare the snot out of you because impossible to drive, impossible to walk, impossible, lots of things. And what was, that was a relapse. And I had a new lesion near my brainstem, which I call the brainstem, the New York city apartment real estate of your central nervous system. Okay. This okay. is like, this is the high rent district. This matters. This is important. So because of that new lesion, meaning my immune system had busted through the drug was not effective. We consider that a drug fail. And I went on a much more aggressive treatment. Okay at that point. So 2018, 2019, I went through treatment that was originally um, developed for leukemia patients, but it basically wipes out all your white blood cells in hopes that when your body regenerates new ones, they don't have the MS marker. So that was a big hairy deal. And wow. I'm happy to say that all my vision was recovered, but I was admitted to the hospital for two days. I was put on five day course of insane steroids Oof. to reduce that issue, right? So I'm giving you kind of the short, hairy version of my health journey. Um, so that's the long answer to, in my semi-educated opinion, there's not a specific trigger. And with autoimmune issues, right? Yes. There's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of question marks, of course. I'm I'm a big health guy, and and one of the things is, you know, if you put garbage in, you get garbage out, and and you have to be able to know that. Um, and I I think we as as a society struggle with that. I and and, and we can go on a whole tangent on this piece, but I, I'm I'm big about understanding what I'm eating, so I know where it comes from. You know, people say, you know, red meat and, and fat is bad for you, but you'd be realized if we don't realize most of your brain and your body works on cholesterol and fat. So being able to have a meat diet versus uh, a vegan diet or a vegetarian diet, 
it's so dramatically different and, and it's amazing um, what you can learn because I, I too have something similar auto, autoimmune, but it's thyroidism. So my thyroid doesn't work right. It's, it's hypo um, and it causes, you know, other issues, but I've had it under control for many years. But one of the things that I can really can control it with is one, a natural diet and two, exercise, sleep, you know, and watching all that other pieces. But until I started realizing how my body functioned and, and, and did the research of what it runs on, you know, when, when you go to the doctor and you get your blood work and they're like, oh my God, your cholesterol is high because your total count is 262 or whatever. Mine was 232 last time I did it a few months ago. And, they're, and, and of course, I've been going to this doctor for many years and, he, and he's on the same path I am. And he goes, man, you're... you're your uh, cholesterol looks good. I, I like your HDL, LDL, and, and everything's together. If I took that same report to a doctor off the street, he would try to put me on a statin immediately. And wow. it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, um, just in recent months, I, I started following um, a doctor. He calls himself Carnivore MD. And he's not, he's, he's not about just eating meat. He's about eating the right types of meat and the right type of food to put in your body. But one of the things that he looks at is if you, if you go back many, many thousands of years on the hieroglyphics that you see on the wall, do you ever see the hunter going after a plant or a fruit? No, it's always an animal. I mean, because animals can run away. And he talks about the different things that are in fruits versus plants, what you should eat and what you shouldn't eat because of how your body reacts to it. And I never thought about it from the plant perspective, the, the root itself, it has a protective mechanism. So like when you eat a carrot or a Brussels sprout or broccoli, all those have protective shields on it because they want to pass their seeds on to the next generation. Those are in, they, they basically act as a, uh, inflammatory to your body, to where your body now is trying to reject it, even though they say, I'm not saying vegetables are bad for you, but there's specific vegetables that are, are more toxic than others. But going into the research and understanding that and what you put in your body is, is huge. And it's like, could we do better for ourselves? And could we, could we stop a lot of the, the, the health challenges we have in our lives if we actually paid attention to what we're doing in that aspect? Oh, sorry. Yeah. That was long-winded. No, it, it, it's such an interesting conversation and one that I definitely feel my limitations about the, my education in the nutrition oh, no. space. And I, I often, people will ask me, do you eat anything different now or, or do you eat anything special? And I felt like before I ate a fairly balanced diet. And mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up on a farm, so we would get like cool. a whole cow. And awesome. we didn't really even know, it was like steak, sure. It's all, we, we didn't even know the cuts of meat because it was like, <laughs> it said steak. So then we had steak. And so then the next night you might have steak again or a pork chop. I mean, it, it's funny. I've learned more about cuts of meat as an, I mean, and of course you would pay attention to it as, you know, a homemaker, but I grew up on a, what I would consider a balanced diet. I sold sweet corn by the side of the road with my brothers and we just, my mom made one pork chop per kid. Like we just didn't overeat. And it's interesting, right? When you look back. And so when I, when people ask me that question, this is my, this is my kind of quippy answer. Whatever you do, don't stress out about food. Hmm. Because I think that overreacting to food is not healthy. And it causes us to just be so severe and we start worrying about everything and we start reading everything and we start freaking out, which my friend is called stress. <laughs> and yeah. stress is something that is so, so, so hard on our system. I tell the story that, <coughs> I'm sorry, tickled. I tell the story that when you are in a road rage incident, right? And you are so annoyed at the driver and you shake your fist at them. Then you, they, because they narrowly, narrowly missed you and you, your life flashed before your eyes. Then you come home that night and you tell your family, oh my goodness, you cannot believe this driver. It was so maddening. And you go through and you retell that the stress is the same to your system. Mm -hmm. 
your system doesn't know that it's not actually happening because you're so passionate about this annoying driver in town. We have to let things go, right? And it's crazy how good that is for our health. And that's the path I'm on really is to help people be mentally strong. And it's not that I don't have road rage, for sure. I get irritated at drivers, just like the rest of you. But can I realize that it's so healthy for me to forget about it in the next second and practice that? For sure. That's hard. That is very hard, especially <laughs> since, uh, I mean, even that type of stress, but you can go to the other, the other extreme, our instant gratification that we're looking for in life can also be stressful because you know, I'm, I'm going to be the next TikTok guy, you know, I'm going to put up a TikTok and it's going to go viral. And, you know, and then when it doesn't, I be, I get all stressed out and it's like, really? I mean, this, this podcast, I'm blessed. I mean, I get a lot of people that reach out to me and most of them are younger than me. I'm, I'm approaching 50 and you know, they like, well, look at your stuff. It's blowing up, dude, go back and look. It's been five years. It's been five years of constantly posting. And you got to remember, I'm not posting, I'm not posting for myself. I'm posting these great journeys of these guests that I have on my podcast or the things that I'm doing in the real estate space that, that I enjoy. But until you do that, nothing changes in that stress. I mean, it's just, I, I don't know how to describe that. I get, I, I don't know how to handle that because um, I wasn't, I'm not wired that way. I, I, I I'm, my parents taught me to work hard, go after what you're looking for. And when you fail, you're still trying, but get back up, have your pity party if you have to, to, you know, what you got to do and move forward. Today, it's like, oh, I don't, my, my video didn't go viral, so I'm giving up or I'm going to, you know, have a pity party the rest of my life. It's sad. It really is. It is. I agree. And I, I love this conversation because it's so valuable for all of us to remember that we can learn things, we can have new tools handed to us, but if we don't actually use them, we don't see yeah. the benefits. And exactly. when I teach people how to be more positive, which it really is a skill and I have tools that I can help people with their mindset and things that they can do very practically in the car, on the way to work, in the mirror in the morning and help them change the way they think. That has such a huge impact, right? On every day, every week, your family, the people that you work with, it's huge. But you have to practice them. You have to use them over and over and over. And you're going to forget. And it's no big deal. And then next week, you're going to do better. And you're going to have to make yourself notes and alarms and sticky notes. And it's going to take a little effort. But in the end, it's 100% worth it because you're in charge. You're being a good boss of yourself. And I want people to feel able to be a good boss of themselves and excited about it. If that's our passion is that we're going to be a good boss of ourselves, just think about how many improvements we would see in the world. If everybody said, I am going to own my mental space, my mental strength. Now, I am not talking about mental health. I, that is a big deal. I have a ton of respect. I have friends, family that are facing mental health challenges. And that is not my field. And I always tell people when I start working with them, I am not a counselor. I am not able to help you with things that you have gone through, but I can help you move forward. So there is, there's a space for all of those people, right? In the different roles. But I want to be very clear about what I help people with. But it's, but if we become better at controlling our, meant our mindset and being positive think about the impact that it has on others and and it, and it kind of it's it gets passed along because if you start treating somebody well because of your mindset and you're in a positive space can that affect somebody else and affect somebody else and affect somebody else and i i totally agree because today it just seems like if you don't like anything you get to throw you know a tantrum or whatever you want to say and then you know you have no accountability for anything you, you do. And it's like, really? I mean, some of the stuff I, I and I, I try not to watch the news because it's negative, but some of the stuff I see, 
you know, people beating up each other because they don't like their thought process or, or what they said. And it's like, dude, just disagree and move on. I mean, it's life. Exactly. If people just realized what a full-time job it is to take care of themselves and improving themselves and helping their family and helping their community, there wouldn't yeah. be any time left over to beat someone up or to make a big hairy deal out of something. It's just, it, it pains me. It pains me. The amount of wasted energy and effort in the world it's something I can't spend a lot of time thinking about because if I start trying to quantify how much time is wasted in negative ways and negative spaces and bad choices, X, Y, Z, it makes me. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and unfortunately we've become such, I don't know how to describe it other than, you know, uh, it's about me state type of a thing. And it's like, no, it's not. It's about everybody. I mean, if we all can come together and work together, things get so much better. And it's like, yeah, the, the thought the the first thought that comes to my mind is, you know, I, I, I went to college, I, I, had, I had college debt, and I had to pay it off. Guess what? I had to pay it off. Why? Why should you get a handout? I mean, you went, you wanted to go to school, you decided not to graduate, you're stuck with that. Now you need to honor it and just pay it and be done. But no, we're we're in that state of Oh, what's in it for me type of thing. And that just that rouses me up. I mean, uh, part of my other business, part of my other businesses, we buy defaulted mortgages. So we try to help people stay in their homes. We become the we become the mortgage we become the mortgage holder, the lender. And there's 12 different ways we can help them. But since the pandemic has started and the forbearance process has come through, the people that come through this process now are no. The government's going to pay for my mortgage. You haven't paid your mortgage in 24 months, dude. Let me tell you something. You have a conventional mortgage. It's not FHA. It's not Fannie. It's not Freddie. Guess what's going to happen? Now that your lender has sold your loan, the person that buys it, whether it's us or somebody else, is going to foreclose on you if you don't actually come and do that. And they're like, oh, no, the government won't let, won't let that happen. Okay. You think that. But in their driveway, Mercedes-Benz, BMW, Chanel, They've got all these richy glitzy things because they're trying to keep up with the Joneses because they're broke, but they're not willing to do the work to fix their housing need. And last time I checked, all of us need a roof over our heads. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's one of those basic things. And that's so sad to hear about that disconnect with reality. And mm -hmm. it's interesting because... Like I always encourage people to do something good with the bad part of their story. So when you talked about thinking of others or doing something else for your community, that mm -hmm. really was part of the motivation for the triathlon for starting that event. And it was probably about five years ago that we actually became our own nonprofit just so that we could issue receipts because we have so many great sponsors that donate to the cause. But doing something good with this crummy part of my story, I would not have chosen to have a chronic illness. I would not have chosen to have MS or to deal with all that or pay for all that. But here it is, right? And what can I do that would make an impact or help others? Or because my husband does have a corporate job and we do have health insurance. So I felt very thankful for that. And what's interesting is that because of that journey, those first seven years, I didn't really think that my story had a lot of value or a lot of weight because I felt fortunate that I had family and support and insurance, right? And then when I went through that relapse in 2017, all of a sudden I realized, oh my goodness, Leanne, you've had enough hard. Now you and I both know <laughs> I had enough hard, like my, my story had worth before that, but it was kind of like a light bulb went off and I realized I need to share my journey. There are other people out there facing what I'm facing that my story can help or encourage or start a conversation. And so it's been since then that I've been on this journey and, and I'm here with you, but you bring up an so, interesting thing about money, you know, because. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I won't. I, I'll pause. You ask your question and then. No, 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 go ahead. Finish it up because then I want to talk about, you know, what getting to the, the present day and what you're doing with coaching and speaking. Okay. So money. Oh, can I just say to all the lovely people listening that if we're going to pay for something that we could help people with medical debt that they didn't choose 
and that is such a hardship on their life, like that would be something that would be super kind and nice of us. And I don't even, I don't want anybody to ask me how, but if we were going to, <laughs> that is where my heart is. And I see families really negatively impacted by things that are so hard and have they didn't, they didn't choose, right? Like the college degree that they didn't pay for or the car yeah. or the house, right? That anyways, when you, when you brought that up, I was like, Oh boy, that's a passion topic of mine. <laughs> you know what, you know, we could, that we could have a whole nother podcast on that and talk about those things. I mean, the whole medical system as a whole is in my eyes is, is pretty screwed up because it, it's all about, you know, pharmaceuticals making money. You know, the only two places in the world that you can advertise any type of medication on TV, you know where they're located at? Right here. United mm -hmm. States and Australia. <laughs> yep. Two places. So guess what? They they put all, of, they, they run all of their ads here so they can, you know, get that, you know, pumped up so they get their money. So they get, a, it's, it's just, it's a crazy scheme. I'm not, I'm not, by all means, they're creating some great medications, drugs to help people, but- it, it shouldn't be at the expense of the patient in getting into such amount of debt. It just doesn't make any sense. There's got to be some type of way to balance that out. Don't know enough about it, but I bet you if someone dug into it, you could tell that there's a lot of gouging there. For sure. And I want to offer so much hope to people because if you are diagnosed with MS today, oh my goodness, there is so much hope for you. It is amazing the progress that has been made, the research that's been done, and the treatment that I went through, game-changing, game-changing. And it's it's super exciting, and there's a ton of hope for patients. And is that is that what you went through, that last one in 2018, 2019, that was game-changing then? Yes, it is. It's game-changing for me. It has definitely slowed the progression. My MRIs are quiet. And it is, I mean, the data coming back on all patients is just fantastic. That so, the disease is being slowed down and they're not seeing the progression that we used to see. So that that image of a wheelchair, that, mm -hmm. that may change like for my kids or my grandkids, where that isn't the first thing that comes to their mind when they hear MS. Um, but is that procedure <laughs> widely available now? Yeah, for sure. Can I, can I ask, is it like astronomically crazy expensive? It was about a half a million dollars. Ooh. So I don't know wow. what your version of <laughs> expensive is. That would seem very expensive to me. That it, my result, my reaction, very expensive. <laughs> wow. My gosh. And not to go too deep. Around. Yeah, I know not to go too deep. Did the insurance pay for any of it? Almost all. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm coming from, Ryan, when I, it's interesting when we start to share our story and we hear the stories of others, mm -hmm. there are, like I said before, there are as many stories as there are patients. And I just feel confident that there's other people out there like me, right. That do have blessings. Um, but also realize that it is hard and they need support too. I'm sorry. I have such a tickle. So it's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll mute. You can talk, Ryan. Okay. So from, from the standpoint of we've gone through pretty much all your journey there. What, what's a day in a life look like for you today for coaching and speaking? Yeah. So I get to help patients. I get to help women dealing with chronic illness where they feel stuck, where they feel like it consumes everything. And I love it. It is literally my passion to help them get excited about the things that are still within their control and let go of what they can't control and spend less time, less energy, less heart and passion in this space, right? That it just can be so consuming. And yet over here, we have things that we still can work on and goals that we can still achieve. And I love it. I love it so much. So how did you get started? And, you know, what are you, how are you attracting clients? 
Yeah, so <clears throat> I'm on social media because I love talking. And I landed there because when I was going through treatment, I wanted to let my friends and family know that I wasn't dying. <clears throat> and so I started doing stories. And I fell in love with doing stories. And I started connecting with patients that were choosing similar drugs or going through something similar. And I loved it so much. So I'm on Instagram regularly. I have a Facebook group called Not Defined by Chronic Illness. We talk in there about things that we're excited about, things that feel good. I have a whole theory about frosting and you'll hear it throughout. We've woven into my social media and my website, but I believe that we need to be finding frosting, that sometimes life is like dry crummy cake. And what do you do when you have a dry crummy cake? right? We add frosting. And the frosting is anything that makes your day sweeter. I don't care if it's your cute dog, the sunshine, new Birkenstocks, old Birkenstocks, healthy kids, a call from a friend, a text from your grandma, whatever that is. It's when we pause, notice, appreciate, right? So gratitude plays in when we appreciate it. Mm -hmm. The frosting is applied to our day. It's applied to the cake. And we all have things in our life that are frosting that are literally in the jar in the cupboard. We're not thankful for them. We don't notice them. We don't pause. We don't take the time. And so that's one of the tools that I teach and help people to start finding those things. <clears throat> when that becomes our focus, I, I, it's life-giving. It's game-changing. It's let's not focus on the dry, crummy cake. The cake, the life, the chronic illness, the curveball, whatever hiccup people are facing, a lot of those we can't change and they're a done deal and that's hard because we all would like a cast or a band-aid or twenty dollars to fix it right mm -hmm. we'd like to amazon prime a solution we <laughs> but we can't do that and that that's a hard place and so a lot of people that i work with are in that hard place how mm -hmm. do i move forward and so i do so coaching is one-on-one -on -one which I love. And then I also have a boot camp called Bring the Joy Boot Camp. And Bring the Joy came because of a Brendan Bruchard statement. And he talks in his books about bringing the joy to a situation, not expecting it to be there waiting for you. And he had Bring the Joy alarms in his phone. And I fell in love with that. It must be I don't know, seven, eight years ago. And so I have bring the joy alarms on my phone that go off throughout the day. And it reminds me to compliment someone, encourage someone, high five a kid, whatever, just simple. And my kids know what they are now. And we talk about bringing joy to the room, to school, to the classroom, to our conversation. And it's an amazing power, right? It's that we circle back again to the conversation about mental strength being a good boss of yourself, realizing that you can have that impact on others and start this beautiful domino effect. Like it's crazy powerful. I can't even tell you, like I get so geeked up. So the boot camp is four weeks. I teach those in, in a group, right? And I, each week we te I teach a new tool and they practice it for the week. And these are things that I want so integrated into their life that at some point they can't really remember where they learned it right? Like, it's just who they are. It's what they do. They taught their grandkids. Mm -hmm. And they're like, uh, I feel like someone told me this, <laughs> right? But it's theirs. And it becomes who they are. Are they ever going to be click their heels when they get out of bed? Leanne? Maybe not. But <laughs> they improve, they're going to feel more positive, they're going to be able to deal with the curveballs and practice being positive. Because it really is a skill and it's one they can get better at. Is the boot camp virtual or is it in person or both? It's virtual. You know, I was, my business was born in 2020 because everything went virtual. And, you mm -hmm. know, life coaching is like the Wild West. You can be a life coach for $57 to 20 grand. And I was a little bit of a skeptic, like, what is that? But I had had people tell me, what you're doing is life coaching. Like, that's what you should do. So I sniffed <laughs> around the program and I hired one of the coaches that had gone to that program to coach me to just see if I liked the style. And I did. And it helped me with a little bit of structure, right? And questions. Mm -hmm. And um, really, in my heart, I already was that. And I was doing that 
behind the scenes in DMs, but it gave me structure. And anyways, it, it's lovely and fun. And I don't know if what you call what I'm doing is life coaching, but I feel like I'm helping people get out of their own way, help them make progress, lean into this life that maybe isn't exactly what they ordered. I'm with you because uh, I just recently out of uh, all of the, well, not recently, it's been, it's almost a year now, but after all the podcasts, people are like, why aren't you coaching? And I'm like, like, I have nothing else to do. I got three businesses to run. Let's add coaching, podcasting. So I started putting it out there. I just, I made a landing page uh, on uh, the podcast website and it's change coaching is what it is. And and we're just, I go out and talk to people and so forth and people come to me and it's, it's interesting to, to meet people there because they're not my typical uh, pe- uh, individuals I'll work with because I have a, a good friend, which is my old boss, another old boss, and he'll refer broke doctors, attorneys, and airline pilots to me because they're in a real financial bind or they need to have something done within the finance world, which I have, you know, 25 years experience and I enjoy it still. And they're just, they, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, the best way is they don't put their pants on the same way you and I do. That's just, that's just how it is. And I'm a straightforward guy and, I, and I'm okay with that. And uh, most of the time it's, they have a huge spending problem. I, I'm talking to an attorney that's, that's spending $30,000 a weekend, just blowing it. What? Yeah, just blowing it. That, <laughs> okay. I mean, and, and I'm not, not, not to, mm-hmm. that's not abnormal. I mean, some of these guys are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a month just to keep a lifestyle up because they think they need to keep up with the Joneses of the medical world or attorneys, but they're broke and they, or they've got to put a deal together. I mean, some of these guys are generating 10, 15, $20 million a year in, in, in fees and they're blowing it. And it's just amazing to see their mindset and to be able to break it. It's as simply as put as this is my first conversation is. Uh, you, you're coming to me, you're, you're probably, your practice is, you know, in not a great shape. We'll take a look at that. But the first place we have to start is you. And they're like, why is that? You're here because of your spinning habits or whatever you got going on. And if you don't want to address that, I'm not the type of person that's going to help you because I can't fix your spending habits. I can't fix your practice issues unless you're bought in 100%. And Exactly. I've got a pretty good, I've got a pretty good success rate with that. It's just getting through the mentality of I'm an attorney and I'm above you type of thing, or I'm a doctor and I'm above you back in the day that used to bother me. Now it's just like woof, right over my head. And I'm just like, well, do you want to run out the billable hours by arguing with me? Or do you want to actually get some billable hours in and get something done? As soon as right. that happens, they shut mm-hmm. up and they move forward. It's, it's funny. Um, but I digress. The, the coaching world is wild, wild west. I, I totally agree with that. How, how could everybody, and we're kind of wrapping up here, how, how could anybody that has something going on chronic wise get a hold of you, one, and then two, what could be one or two things that you could potentially leave the listeners with, with some tips on how could they work through their situation, a basic overall view of their situation if they have some type of chronic illness and they're struggling? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So first of all, you can find me at leannstickle.com. Super easy. Lots of information there. <clears throat> and you can follow me on social media. I am Leanne Stickle on Instagram and Facebook, not defined by chronic illness is my Facebook community, which I do love to have conversations in there. An overview. What I want to encourage people to do is one, be okay with the period of mourning. When you are diagnosed with something, you go on the internet, which I caution against because it is a dangerous place, and you'll find the winners and the whiners, okay? You'll find the winners, which are people that have overcome. They are doing great. They have figured their life out, and they're doing great things, and it's kind of annoying, right? It might be kind of like (laughs) if you're listening to me and you're like, ugh, like, Oh, sure. You started fundraising. Oh, sure. Right. And that's annoying. And then you have the people over here in this camp and I call them the whiners and they go online and they tell you every love and thing that's going wrong and all the symptoms and how horrible it is. And they almost died. And the Facebook groups are very depressing and maybe helpful in some places. Right. And Mm -hmm. I respect people needing space to 
let let some of that out. But that's why I caution against the internet because it's more important for you to connect with one, two, three patients that make sense for you, whether that's locally, whether that's on the internet, finding those people and they are out there and there's people like me and other patients, even with larger followings that can help connect you to a patient that you have similarities with and you can have a conversation with. That is of value. That to me is really support that makes a difference. And locally, I'm supporting patients. I actually have a contract with our MS Center and I'm coaching patients. I am a phone call away, a text away. They can hop on my calendar. We have a conversation for 20 minutes and I don't have magical answers, but I listen and I understand and I help them make peace with this new reality because it's true. There's part of it that we can't change and we have to figure out how to move forward. And once we figure that out, it is exciting and it feels really empowering, right? Like, yes, I have a chronic illness, but this doesn't define me. I can do a triathlon. I can write a book. I can start a business. I can be a mom of teenagers. I can go to a volleyball tournament. I can do these things. I just have to learn how to manage my symptoms, manage my fatigue, right? Be a good boss of myself. I love that. That is really cool. We'll link your your uh, website. I'll put your social media in the show notes. So make sure everyone can get a hold of you. I, I'm honored. I am so thankful that you came on. I, I love your story. I love your passion. I love your positivity. There's there's so many things we we could we could have another a whole nother show just talking about everything you've gone through. But the the triathlons. Oh my God. I'm I'm poof. I'm blown. <laughs> My, my brain is doing flip-flops right now. It's doing, it, it, I'm, that's so cool. That is so awesome. You are an inspiration and, I'm, and it's to me because it's like, I don't think I'd ever even try a, a triathlon. It's just not one of, I hate running. I'll ride a bike. I, I like I swimming. I hate running. <laughs> so. you, you, you are literally not the first person. Like 8 million people have said the same exact thing. Like I hate xyz piece of it but when you want something more than you hate those things right because i'm not that i'm not that different than you right like i am not awesome at all those things but i wanted this accomplishment and that felt like so important so valuable it's just interesting what we can all of a sudden feel motivated to do so everybody use use your bumps in the road, your curveballs to motivate you, to get clear on your why. Why do you want something? Why do you, it'll help you because motivation is like bathing, right? Like we have yes. to keep doing it. We have to keep finding motivation. It's not going to just stick around and be there forever. Amen to all that. Leanne, thank you for coming on honor. It was a great conversation. Uh, your inspiration. So thank you. Well, thank you. This was super fun, Ryan. You're welcome.